Kermalitic and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Branko Maledic and today we have with us in our virtual studio David Brooks who's an associate with CAR. Uh, that's car architecture and design, is it not, sir? That is, yes. And thanks for inviting me, Branko. It's great to be here. All right, okay. So while at car, David Brooks worked across many, many residential, multi-residential projects rather, as well as the award-winning United Places Hotel. Australia's relationship with apartment living, hasn't that been a change over the past, I don't know, 20 odd years? Where is it going? And are apartments the future of Australian lifestyle? Uh, has, has the cost of land and, and houses, and also not only, not only that, the geographic location of where people can actually afford them, basically meant that eventually we're all going to be living in apartments? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think the other point there is obviously this is sustainability as well um, and the benefits of obviously being closer together. Um, I mean, what's been really interesting over the past... 20 years is seeing the diversity of um, what apartments can be. And traditionally, the sort of in Australia have been seen as something quite transient. Um, and you've always had the sort of very high ends of um, tower resort style has been around for some time too. And I, I think what we're sort of seeing in the exciting place that we um, been is in between all of that. Um, and seeing, uh, I think, seeing where there's other options um, available for a wider set of demographics uh, and wider sort of positions in, in the other suburbs. So, that, yeah, there's definitely been a bit of a change. And um, that's always what I've been really interested in in multi-residential design is that that is, seems to be happening inevitably because of all the the, the reasons you mentioned and that um, you, you want that to be continue to be seen as a, an ideal lifestyle option for people and not as sort of a, a fallback position, if you will, um, because um, the more traditional sort of detached house is, is not achievable. Um, and so there's been a lot of work in that. And I think creating the kind of quality of outcomes that we do kind of the highly considered sort of approach and then, um, as you know, sort of a crafted approach, I think is really important. So um, because at the same time, where each time the apartment's built, we're changing our urban landscape as well and changing our streetscapes. So it's not just about for the occupants, but it's sort of everyone else that lives in the city as well. Is the relationship with apartments different from city to city, or is it the same wherever you go in Australia? Like, like is, is the attitude to apartment living different in Sydney than is in Melbourne or, say, Hobart or Brisbane? Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think Sydney probably took a, a forward, and they've got, um, obviously... So I particularly notice, and I think all this has the, the proximity to the, the harbour means you've got something more desirable to be closer to. So, uh, and also probably um, climatically, it tends to. I think you can probably um, more more time outside or something as simple as that. I think is really driven. And it was really even up back in some, some beautiful apartment buildings that they all sort of came up, started coming up in the nineteen thirties, and they might be sort of seven stories, six stories tall. So there's there's definitely been a um, a more sort of accepting. Um, approach to it in Sydney for that reason, and I think Melbourne's sort of a bit behind, but it's definitely um, 
it's a bit slow, but we're sort of I get definitely being forced to that now. Um, but there's other qualities I think in Melbourne that people are drawn to now is um, wanting to be in sea locations become even more you know, more prevalent. Okay, so what about the the design of, of apartments? Is it is it influenced by Asian and European countries where you know, obviously apartment living is you know, a lot more accepted or, or, or you know, common, whatever the term is. You know, is, is, is the other designs of the apartments sort of influenced by what's going overseas or do we have or are we developing a, a, a particular Australian design? I think I think those uh, in in Europe and in Asia, there's there's a lot of diversity in the, the apartment stock there as well in terms of scale and, and level of detail. What I'm finding interesting actually is that as it becomes more ubiquitous and acceptable in Australia, that the actual quality of of, of the architecture has definitely increased. Um, and so that that's particularly where it interests me. I think um, as well where. Um, Previously, it was sort of because it's seen as something that's transient or in, in investor that, that it's, there wasn't as much care taken into the quality of architecture. I think in terms of scale, that's it's the you know there's a lot of there's diversity in Australia. I think in, in becoming more diverse in scale of apartments uh, as there are in, in Europe or Asia. That's something that's quite consistent everywhere. Um, but it's all the, the quality of investment that that developers are willing to put into it, and, and that I guess that people expect as well and interrogate, and we're finding that increasingly now as well between whether it's our um, uh, sort of aimed at a, at a sort of entry-level demographic or the luxury market, the expectations um, um, of the quality of the product, particularly buying off the plan, has increased, which I think is probably a, a positive thing. It's, it's an awareness of people going, they go, well, this is going to be something perhaps more long-term, um, and therefore, the quality apartments are, are wanting to be higher. Um, obviously, as more and more get built, then it becomes more competitive, um, and, and that's what we like to see. Sort of a uh, expectational round, I think, from clients and contractors and, and purchasers that are wanting to something to be of more highly considered nature. And, and that's that's a that's a mental shift. I think that's changing um, more so than a, a replica of maybe apartment design because it's it's very diverse. Across the world. So, so tell me about the level of detail that goes into the, the, a luxury apartment design. I mean, you know, how different is that to, let's say, other types of design? More high expectation, I think, from our luxury market. Obviously, there's a high consideration on what the particular site has to offer in terms of privacy and the outlook. With there's a lot of um, attention put onto layouts, and not, that's not only scale, um, but also auxiliary spaces uh, and the like. But it's also this material, and it's not just about buying the most high-end stone, but it's all consideration of all the junctions, um, obviously consideration of all the apertures, and that's what a lot of work we do in landscaping, so in, uh, integral to these sort of higher-end departments too, that maximising glazing types, framing views, but also um, capturing privacy. I think when we sort of get into the the mid-level and lower-level sort of, of, of apartment um, typologies, the community spaces tend to be um, much more uh, valued uh, and important. And when we get into the more luxury market, it tends to be more about um, what's the, the offering within the apartment and much larger terraces and, and embellishments like that. So um, that's where 
we're finding. And then that allows us this, you know, this level of craftsmanship, which I think is a great opportunity within that market. And that's sort of what's, um, that's what's expected. And there's even buying off the planets, which is quite interesting. There's a lot of hesitation. Someone's investing a lot of money um, and for a long period of time in this sort of luxury departments that we're, we're involved in. Um, and so it's not just about what the floor plan does, but now a lot are actually waiting until um, projects are finished a lot so that, um, you know, because they want to make sure that level of detail is complete materialities and the entrance experience and what's your guest going to be, what's it like to the street, are you going to deliver on, you know, because a lot of great promises are made in those early stages of the marketing process um, and making sure that that is delivered. And that's something we're quite proud of, I think, is is all along the way. And our, our clients are definitely on our recent work we're doing with Sterling Global, they're really, um, that's key to their brand as well as a developer. And I think that's probably more prevalent in that in that luxury market too with those expectations. I'm going to ask you the dummies question here, which I'm well known for. On, on, on average, what is the difference in, in size of, of, of floor, floor size of, a, let's say, a luxury apartment and what would we consider a inverted commas normal apartment? Um, if you're, you might be looking at um, maybe the sort of anywhere between 15 and 100% greater increase. So you might, the typical say two-bedroom apartment might be 80 to 90 square metres, but then you might be looking at a 120 square metres for a, a luxury two-bed apartment. You also find that there's, um, and I, I think there's more, again, more diversity coming through the market in terms of sizes. They're no longer just the um, the one one bed sort of investor, but you know, two and three bed. So that's um, and that's across the, the whole band of whether it's luxury or sort of mid level or entry level. But um, there's also generally more expectation on a with the second living spaces, or you've got an extra fourth bedroom and the study and you know, a full study room. And so those tend to you know, as well as individual rooms being too large, uh, being larger as well. Sorry, but um, there's also this the, the quantity of spaces in there. Which tends to, you know, take um, take spaces up. But I think people are sort of, you know, also if they're spending more time in the apartments because they're, and that's a lot of the space we work in is where people are sort of downsizing, and these are these are people still in their sixties or like. And so they, there's there's been a history of living in a large house. Um, um, there's also a lot of sort of furniture and the, and the like that comes that comes with artwork that comes with that downsizing. So there's an expectation to be able to sort of set out that artwork and the like, um, but also this sort of transition to something, not the maintenance size of the house, but something something close by. So. Um, so you once wrote, considering the urban context of a site, in particular the landscape and natural habitat, and then integrating it into a project adds strength to a building sense of place. What does it actually mean, adding strength to a building's sense of place? Well, it's potentially, um, particularly in the multi-residential field where um, you were taking a typology, and a lot of our work is sort of taking um, sites that are traditionally have a detached house on it um, and then putting making one dwelling and putting 10 on it or 12 on it. Um, for, for example, and that's a lot of our work is in that typology. 
um, you're inevitably going to change it. So there's certain qualities of why people want to move there in the first place, hence, you know, um, densifying the site. But you don't want to be taking away from the certain qualities that pre-exist there. Because um, if everyone did along the street, and then all of a sudden you get this sort of negative change, so you actually want to be contributing more um, to the street. So taking certain qualities that, that pre-exist, um, but then also um, sort of enhancing that as well, because um, and that's something we do across all our, our projects, and we do this pretty detailed study of um, not only the natural environment, but the the architectural sort of context which exists, which is past, present, and 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 future. Um, a really interesting example on that is um, a project is under construction at the moment, which is um, Como Terraces in um, in South Yarra, and that's not really quite unique in that it's has a 26 metre fall across the site. Uh, it's adjacent the Yarra River uh, and Herring Island. Um, and we could have easily done what typically is done is flatten the whole site and just build a more standard singular building. But we saw, and that's what we're trying to always find, find the uniqueness in the site because that will make the project more memorable, more identifiable, and sort of contribute to that. So that's the site's been left there for for some time and we're actually now enhancing that so topography um the buildings actually stack up the hill in amongst the topography and some of them are semi-buried some of them cantilever out and actually what you do is you're, in, you're heightening the experience of the guest and the occupant so and that's a multi-res so that's and it's um we're actually celebrating the topography on the site there um and also it's adjacency to um the Yarra river so we've taken the indigenous species that are prevalent along and historically along the Yarra River corridor and scattered that all the way up the site. And so there's all these sort of external areas um, that we can bring that through. So um, we're really celebrating the uh, uniqueness of that site and, and hopefully one hand to make people aware that oh, this is a the uniqueness of this site is topography and its proximity to the river. And so by enhancing that experience you're you know you're making people more familiar and, and aware of you know the uniqueness of that that site um and there's other qualities to that that's what we you know we're looking we then we have to, we've done a lot of work studying the actual materiality and so it doesn't dominate that planting um even though we are changing it from four dwellings to 38 dwellings on the site we um the buildings we don't we, were not to dominate those you know, those natural qualities that, that the site has um and so working through the, the intricacies of the the, the earth tone finishes and the rammed earth and um, explodes aggregate concrete. So, because um, one, it's not just about um, the occupants, and it's um, but it's also about people walking by. I mean, there's a you know, I was down there this morning actually on site, and there's so many people, you know, on a sunny morning like this in November, riding and walking along. You know, we want to be able to enhance their experience as well, and not just see it as another. Um, common multi-res development, but one that really celebrates where it is. Would you say that in integrating integration of landscaping is central to how you design a residential building? And should landscape be where all the design begins, or dare I say sprouts from? Um, I think it's, um, in, in this circumstance, it, it was um, in a more standard sort of Rectilinear site um, that uh, that that is prevalent. I think that's. Um, I think it's key. Whether it's 
we always start where um, we neither just design the layout plans first or design the exterior first. The relationship between exterior and, and the architecture is always considered from the start and the outlook as well. So from that, not just as obviously how the landscape reads and softening the architecture, that's all an important part, but also the relationship between the apartment layouts and celebrating their their aspect and their views and you know maximizing glazing and um and the like to the garden. So from from that uh it is, I think, yeah, the relationship between views to outside, because that's also something that can um I think historically is if you've got this one typology of apartments where it's a long tube with a window at the end. Um, but really looking at every aperture and how that can and frame the landscaping outside is is key. And that's really from day one when we start sort of interrogating view lines and aspects and also, you know, privacy, because that's another key as we as we shift our mindsets on apartment living. Um, there's a couple of key factors to get over and one, one obviously is um, privacy. Um, and so making sure we maximise the view to landscaping. That might create framing views, physical courtyards and the like, rather than um, but always, uh, yeah, the landscaping is always prevalent. In Sydney, we have a development or, or an area called Green Square. Um, that was pretty much a very, very, how do I put it, um, run-down part of Sydney, uh, sort of industrial, uh, a bit of wasteland, a bit of, and it's, you know, it's, well, I three kilometres, four kilometres from the CBD. Um, and it's like it was a nothing area, and now it's just gorgeous with, you know, apartments. But a lot of it's mixed retail or mixed use, as they call it. Is that something that you guys do? And, it, and is that something – and it, does Melbourne have a similar type of area that's being regenerated or rejuvenated, if, if, if that's the proper term, um, in, in the same manner? Um, yeah, mixed use is something we're very uh, interested in, um, and we have uh, a number of projects in sort of the early stages uh, at the moment. Probably not at that type of um, scale, and I think it's quite it's an interesting sort of typology because you always and the way we talk work is sort of want to understand the macro and the micro, um, and there are some mixed use projects, some towers that we're doing at the moment as well that fit that. But we're still those main elements of, you know, what's the pedestrian experience like, what, you know, getting the scale appropriate and the building not too dominant. Um, and even, you know, the material consideration and all the junctions. And we still want to be able to do that, even even though the, the building sort of um, is, is much greater scale. We're, we're doing um, we're doing one with a hotel, commercial. Um, there is a small retail component, there's heritage components too, um, which is really interesting. And we're actually doing one on quite a small footprint too. Um, the example you're talking about is on, on a much, much sort of larger scale than that. Um, and that, that's where we sort of get to um, like to uh, like to target it in something that's, you know, we can really do something um, unique in our approach. But um, in Melbourne, there's a few of those um, examples. It's, it's very challenging, I think, to try and make that um, strong. There's obviously proximity to the uh, the CBD in Sydney is driving that project to be um, quite popular. 
Um, and it's probably also the other, I think, um, the sort of green square as well is really, um, it's an interesting one in Sydney, but they've sort of introduced um, public facilities into it to make it really interesting. Um, and libraries, well as the retail libraries, actually in the centre of the centre of the project, um, and it's the central focus. And I think that's kind of, and that's a beautiful little um, building that's been put in there. And so that's that's highly considered as well. And so, um, and that sort of talks to, um, you know, this idea of architecture being a key point, and you know, probably smaller and more more intricate. When it's surrounded by the much larger towers, but and that the public square is still have these sort of parts of architecture. So um, in a, in Melbourne, um, I think the only thing that sort of comes to mind is the work that we're doing with some work that's been done in, in early, early stages in, in Fisherman's Bend and um, there's obviously the Docklands examples with mixed mixed results there, I think. Um, so it's it's a challenge, I think, to do something of that scale and so quickly as well. Do you think that perhaps that hasn't been, in a way, communicated well enough to both governments and the public in terms of, you know, this, this kind of um, development becoming more popular? Yeah, I think that's probably not. It's probably um, probably sort of individual financial sort of realities driving, driving I think, individuals' choices. But that there are definitely, uh, I think, certain, certain people, I think it's probably younger people becoming more aware of that and driving themselves rather than it being um, an something coming from a central voice, really, um, in terms of, uh, yeah, encouraging uh, encouraging apartment living or all the like. But um, it can, they can also be, I mean, it's also about how we construct them as well, but, but there's opportunities as well, I think, which probably haven't fully been um, utilised now in terms of how we construct buildings, because obviously doing them centralised, there is an efficiency in terms of construction, building development and bunching the hype of others together. Um, as well as the obviously inherent transportation, uh, energy reduction in in living closer together and amenities and less amenities and public transport then works a lot stronger and a lot more powerful. And, but no, the, I, I, yeah, I agree. The message probably isn't isn't out there from central bodies that it's actually great from a sustainability point of view. Well, who are you? Well, what are you currently designing with CAR, and um, and how are you addressing the demographic needs of, of Melbourne? Um, some some key ones that I'm working on at the moment, as I um, said, would target really I think um, an empty nesters, but on sort of the uh, in the the luxury market because um, people might have other dwellings that they own, or so there's expectations I think from them to be at a certain level of of quality and refinement um, that uh, that we produce. But I mean that that target market is not anything too new. They're probably one of the first people to jump on board the sort of the multi residential market um, but it is still very competitive and I think they've got a really high expectation of the quality of finish uh, and um, materiality it allows a lot of inter interrogation of um, glass and it's something we we do a lot and specialise in having done multi-res for many many years um, that's a key part as I said earlier there's you know there's a big consideration in that market for you know, additional rooms. They sometimes they have a, their own personal business that they operate from. You know, from from private studies. They want the secondary living space. They might have, and these people aren't sort of their empty nesters. They might be in their they sort of fifties and sixties as, as well. So they might have you know older children staying quite commonly. So that 
the size of the apartments tend to be considerably larger. Um, but uh, yeah, it gives us the ability to do some really crafted work because there is a real high expectation of that the same level of quality that they might have had in their in their house um, is brought to the apartments. Um, and there's a right balance of community, but also privacy, private garages or lifts directly onto floors and, and things like that, which are quite um, quite quite interesting. Um, yes, there seems to be a theme there because I've, I've gone to your website and I've looked at your design, and I, I've got to say I quite like them. But you know, there, there is a theme. Is that? I mean, again, dummy's question from me. Is that done on purpose, or or, or, or is is that like? How would, I, how, would I, how would I put this? Is that what the market is asking for? Is that what you're telling the market it needs? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think there is uh, there's some inherent consistencies, I think, in our values, um, particularly from a residential sense. There's this belief that, you know, no matter what the size, whether it's a single house or it's a multi-resident, there should inevitably be a very calming experience. That sort of is in line with this premise of reductionism that you probably have noticed, not quite minimalism, but still a questioning of every every material, every junction, every, um, you know, that layering. That's, we've also got sort of these values in, in um, modelism as well. So they're inherent in sort of the practice, but there's, you know, the practice has been in, around for, for 50 years. And so there's sort of a, a, a cohort of, uh, I think, people that, that seek out that um, and, and are aware of what Car do and, and and seek that out. So it's it's a bit both ways in terms. I think, um, but because of those values, there's a there's a wonderful consistency there that um, that we're known for, um, and a, a very um, sort of strict approach to um, to quality. I think as well, um, and that comes back to this craftsmanship type approach to uh, really interrogating. The, the micro and the, the the macro as well. Approach there is that we don't want the buildings to be there in 50, 75, 100 years' time and, and value the same amount. And so there is this, um, it's a bit in a bit of an overused term, but this timelessness, I think, is really something we think is true. And that ties into sustainability as well, in, in terms of um, that there's no need to, you know, it's it might be out of fashion, um, sort of might sort of come up and down a bit. But um that that's that's I mean it's always been really valuable to to the practice as well that it would be appreciated and uh, for many many years to come so what's the, what's the future for modern design in Australia where where it's going you know let's say 50 years from now assuming that we're that, that there, is, there is a planet left um I shouldn't joke about that should I um where do you see multi-residential design in Australia uh, it's definitely on a trajectory of um becoming more popular and more uh, diverse. I think um, there's people now that are sort of coming up and buying, um, that are going to be buying houses in the future, are ever, ever, ever more conscious of um, not only property prices, but sustainability. So that will, um, we can only assume that the market will um, demand, and that will be sort of more diversity in stock and also the more, you know, larger Stock as well, you know, and families starting to 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 move in and stuff like that. So, I think that's really going to drive, and obviously their performance will only probably from a uh, an energy consumption during construction, but also ongoing maintenance costs and the like will also become um, even more 
prevalent um, and, and higher higher performing. I think as we as we keep more moving forward, uh, expectations on buildings from a government point of view um, uh, enough or not. Uh, those are, you know they are still there, and so it's it's um, if we're talking a time frame of the next thirty years, there's definitely going to be a lot more, and they're going to be very high performing. I think. I think the interesting space is uh, what we work on a lot is sort of not necessarily the the sort of the skyscraper approach, which has been around in Melbourne for about forty years or something, as a, as a way of us living, but as a sort of a lower sort of scale, and that that might be where we sort of take some European influences, I think. But um, that's the that's the block which tips, tends to be quite common, which is the larger sort of middle ring and inner and inner ring sort of suburban sites, which are quite common, and and those being brought up to be more. Um, I says it continues to be scope. Um, in developing those sites, and uh, as I said earlier, that's that's why I've, I've most, one of the most interesting things I find about um, working on multi-res is um, making sure that we are um, creating very high-quality stock ongoing that will change hands. And you know, whilst it might be, you know, empty nesters now in 20, 30, 20 years' time, it might be then utilised just as well by young families and. Um, we still got amazing and engaging streetscapes um, from that, and we're not actually downgrading really once we otherwise we find ourselves in a position where people want to knock things down because it's no longer in taste and and then we're back to square one. So true, so true. David Brooks, associate with car architecture and interior design. Thank you very much for your time. Right, thank you very much. It's been great. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time. Goodbye. I'm Brent Kermelitic and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine.